Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. The following broadcast has been approved for Elite Hornets fans. What a block by Cody Zeller. Walker down the lane, drive, shoots, scores! Game over! Bringing back the buzz was only the beginning. We will not go quietly into the night. It's Hornets talk for the hardcore fan. It's Hive Talk Live. Welcome in, Hornets fans. You are listening to Hive Talk Live here on AtTheHive.com. It's Hornets Talk for the hardcore fan. We are live in the Gittimer.com studios in BEA, beautiful uptown Charlotte. I'm Doug Branson. And I'm still waiting on CBS to release the rest of the brackets. (laughs) I'm David Walker, Doug. And for those of you that missed our morning mini pod, I reused that joke because I like it. Well, that's, I mean, I think you have to get used to that. Uh, if if you are a dedicated listener, we are going to repeat some things. Especially like, I think you have to. Hilarious jokes. <laughs> great, <laughs> just grade A material. Uh, yeah, but I hope you're enjoying the morning mini pods, the high, the high o'clock uh, Yeah, Yeah, they're okay. Yeah, uh, well, the, the, the people. Yes, the people. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You seem to be enjoying yourself. <laughs> I don't know. I, listen. I enjoy them because I, I, I pants are optional. It's so early in the morning. Uh, it's from the home studio. I tell you what, it does get my day started off on the right foot. Man. I'll say that to you, Doug. Yeah. There's no person I'd rather talk to first thing in the morning. <laughs> Do you talk to me? Yeah, that's a good You're point. You're the first person. You, you don't even talk to your wife before you talk to me. No. She wow. doesn't even know we do it. She doesn't even know I'm here right now. <laughs> <laughs> Begin. Uh, okay, a reminder, check us out on Sundays at 8.30 a.m. on Good Day Charlotte. This weekend, we took a, we played a little bit of a hooky this, hooky, that's the right word, right? We we wanted to show respect to the to the ACC tournament. They had enough b-ball yeah. talk. Yeah. Um, and we didn't want to jinx the streak, I think. The good Hornets, work, the Hornets that, took care yeah. of that, though. Yeah. Uh, good Day Charlotte, Fox 46, oh. if you're local, fox46charlotte.com for a live stream. But we will be on there this Is it Sunday. our fault? At eight thirty, is it our fault? Well, I guess. I sort of. We tried not to jinx it, and by not being on there, our I bad. think we kind of jinxed it. Our bad. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. Get shows uploaded to your mobile device of choice. Coming up on the show, we're going to talk about the referees in this Dallas uh, game, this loss, the end of the streak. It wasn't the referees' fault by any stretch of the imagination, but there was a couple of shenanigans. Yeah, we don't like talking about refs. I mean, uh, you know, like you said, you don't want to blame it on them, but sometimes they deserve to be talked about. Yeah, yeah we'll talk about that here in a second. And then uh, also we're diving deep. Orlando at Charlotte, Charlotte at Miami. The toughest two games I think that the Hornets will face this season are certainly the most important games. Plus we have an interview with Troy Daniels. It's our Inside the Locker Room segment with Justin Thomas from ESPN 7.30, much, much more. With that, we say, let's swarm Charlotte. Yeah, we got the Troy Daniels thing coming up, and make sure, get on Twitter right now, uh, at Hive Talk Live. 
if you're listening live. And uh, we had a poll on the post as well. Do you think Troy Daniels deserves or, or would you like to see him stay in the rotation? It's a hot topic right now. I think it is. I think it is. And we'll talk more about it uh, here in a moment. But okay. first, I, I do want to talk about Kimba Walker, named Eastern Conference Player of the Week. Followed that up. Yeah, well done, sir, Mr. Walker. Followed it up with a good performance against Dallas, a game that, of course, they lost. He struggled in the first quarter, but he wasn't the only one. A lot of guys struggled to shoot the basketball, but he got it going in the fourth a little too late, but you know, ended up with nine assists. You like to see that from Kimba Walker. He's averaging up above seven assists. Yeah, ended up having a good game from a stat standpoint, and that's kind of the next thing you see from a guy who's trying to make the jump. I mean, we already say Kimba's made the leap, the jump this year, but a bad game, still had a good statistical game, and did get the team back into it. I mean, let's not forget, they did come back, they did take a two-point lead, and then they, they, they gave it all away. But, um, you know, you'd like to see that from Kemba because we've been asking, you know, what's going to happen if he doesn't score 30? He didn't score 30, but he did, how many did he have in the first half? Like six? Wasn't many. Wasn't many, and you saw what the result was. So there's a lot of on his shoulders, you know, for this team. I mean, that's obvious. But other, you know, there other guys had decent statistical games. There was just a lot more wrong with that particular game than you know individual matchups it's interesting i'm seeing sections of these games where he starts to look to distribute and i don't i don't necessarily think that that was the case earlier this season or really at any point in his career i mean he he averages career-wise around five assists but Mm -hmm. i think those were done in the course of you know pick and rolls kind of he wasn't looking for assists. The assists were finding him, you know, giving it to Al, things like that. Right. But I think he's jumping to a new level with his distribution where he is picking sections of the game where he's going to look to get others involved and step back from scoring. Well, and he also looked to take it on himself. I mean, that little spurt that he went on and the team went on to get back in. I mean, they were down 19, right, at halftime. So they got it down to – I don't think that when they took the lead in the fourth quarter, right? Mm-hmm. So it took a one, like a one point lead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was for one second. Yeah, that was good to see, though. I mean, there's no quit in this team, but you just can't you can't have the first half like they did. Well, against he, here's anyone. what I'm wondering, David. So they lose this game. So they won seven in a row. They yep. lose one. Yep. But after the game, and then right. today at practice, I'm listening to these interviews, it was, and it was they, more of a they don't seem very concerned about it. It, it almost. In a way that bothers me a little bit. Is that okay? Is that okay for me to say? It bothers me a little bit in that I think there are some concerning things in here. And we've seen other performances that I would venture to say were better than these performances, even though they lost those games as well, where there was a lot more concern happening. And they were down, they were on the road or they were down, you know, injured players. You've got a a healthy stack here against a team that wasn't playing well and certainly they they uh, the Mavericks needed to win that game and they mm-hmm. played like it played very intense defense you know Raymond Felton you mentioned him this morning he, he was he was sending a message I mean he I, looked to me like he wanted to prove something being here like a Bobcat family having family in the crowd Bobcats history yeah I mean I think so he certainly played with much more quickness and energy than I recall him <laughs> ever having. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. 
Well, I mean, not ever, but I'm just saying. Well, uh, since in, I'm the saying, NBA, in his, I'm saying he since he, early in his NBA, he career. wanted it. He wanted it real bad, real real bad. But mm. I just think that there should be a little bit more concern about some issues that are going on, okay. and I, I think this one, you know, Steve Clifford says, well, it was just turnovers and and missed free throws, and uh, again, Kemba seems to kind of shake it off and, and maybe that's what they need to do i don't know is, is that what they need to do I just actually, kind of shake this one off yeah and, i was actually on the other spectrum of you from you on this one because when i heard kemba after the game i was a little relieved i mean it gave me some comfort um a little kemba quilt if you will and you know because <laughs> they comfort. because they were visibly frustrated in the fourth quarter when they gave the lead back and went down like 13 you could see you guys were vis- visibly frustrated Angry and looking at each other in the eyes, saying, but that to me, that's playoff that level basketball that they I agree. saw. And, and, I agree. You know, you don't expect it from the Dallas Mavericks, but it's coming. Like that's playoff well, that's level cons- basketball. That's the concern, right? That's the concern. But I'm not but, hearing any of that. But you got to. Well, we got to see how they bounce back because they bounced back well last time. You were really worried about the Atlanta game. I told you why they lost. You poo pooed it. Um, the early start. That's why they lost. And then, um, so let's see how they bounce back because look, Orlando's coming up, another key game, and then a huge game against Miami. But they gotta, they can't let this loss beat them twice. You know what I mean? They've got to bounce back and get back to back to scoring. And so that's what you like about that second half. It was more like they have been playing. You know, so really they bounced back from the first half. It just wasn't enough to to overcome what Dallas was doing. So, so I think that's the silver lining. But look, it was a crappy game. <laughs> I mean, they played like they played horrible. Yeah. Oh no, there's no question about that. And if you want sort of a deeper recap of this game, if that's something you're interested in, if you have, if you like Schadenfreude and mm-hmm. just really want to bask or wallow, I guess, in the misery of that game, then check out the Hive O'Clock Alarm on iTunes and Stitcher. But I want to move on to the one of the reasons that the Hornets got frustrated in this game, the Zebras, the referees, the officials. Um, they they did not perform well. And the crowd at Time Warner Cable Arena gave them a booing that, I mean, I've never heard such an intense reaction really? to a group of referees, personally. Any, any highlights? Anything in particular? Well, here's so here's the thing. So I was reading... I mean, even look when Rick Bennell from the Charlotte Observer criticizes the referees, yeah, then you know that they had a really bad. Night. When it's brought up, yeah, when anyone does it, but particularly well, when, beat, when writer. beat writers, yeah, 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 because beat writers just don't normally go there. No, and, and we don't either. To be fair, well, sometimes we do, but but normally not. I because I think it's such a, I it, think it's like the last thing yeah, you need to be thinking about right. when in terms of basketball, but. Um, Rick actually wrote about it in The Observer, and he argued that the, the game got out of control because there were some questionable judgment calls not being officiated the same way on both sides. Contact not being officiated on both sides. But I think that's the case. I won't disagree with that. There was certainly some of that going on. there Because the Mavs were playing very physical basketball. <clears throat> And the rest were letting it go mm-hmm. until the Parsons flagrant on Cody Zeller, which got Cuban upset. But I think everyone agreed in Time Warner Cable Arena. They were a little biased, <laughs> but most agreed that that was a flagrant. But the Mavs were playing physical. The Hornets were not playing as physical. 
but they were getting they were getting a lot of calls on their offensive side of the ball. But I think the the crowd got upset because there were some obvious missed travel violations, mm. double dribbles. It took them three times to tip off. <laughs> that's not a good sign. Like no, and, and and that's tap. like that's the opening tip. It took them three times, and and I think that already got the crowd a little frustrated, rough. yeah, and questioning. And because I think, I think if you're a player or you're a coach, you're concerned with you're not necessarily concerned with how many fouls are being called on you. You're, and I've heard this from a lot of players and a lot of coaches that they just want it called the consistent. same way on both ends. Yeah, you just want it consistent. Okay, so I think that's what makes them upset. But I think what made the crowd I don't think the crowd thinks that way. I think the crowd was upset because because you're they're always going to be upset with fouls called on on the Hornets. Sure. But what took it to that level where they were booing them 1 minute after halftime and booed them as soon as the referees walked onto the court was because A they had lost control of the players. Mm-hmm. And I think they had just lost respect for that crew because they were making Again, I watched, and I, I'm not going to name names, mainly because I don't know them, <laughs> but uh, one of the referees, I mean, he was right on top of a Darren Williams travel, yeah. where he took three steps and then moved his pivot foot twice. Right. This isn't one of those situations you see on like Shaq and a Fool, where he does it like way up, up at the top of the key, and it's sort of in the middle of the court where there's not a referee right on top. This happened on the baseline, right in front of the referee. And he was looking down and didn't make the call. And when things like that happen, I think that's what sends the crowd into overdrive. Right. What did you think of the Kimba travel on the inbounds? Because I, on the quick replay that they showed, I mean, I didn't see a whole lot. I mean, the guy jumped right into the space and I guess made him um, bobble for a second. But I, it didn't look like a, a blatant travel to me. But... That was just kind of the same thing. Another instance of uh, there was a leg kick on one end, and I can't remember the Mavs player who did it. And then Kemba came down and got a foul from yeah from uh, oh my gosh, who was it? Help me, Doug. I don't know what you're talking about. I would love to help you. Um, Fair Fawcett, uh, no. Dick Cavett. Um, All right, I'll think of it in a second. But this is what I was getting at. There were a couple instances where the players were either showing up the refs or you know, screaming right in their face. Like for an extended period of time, another time Raymond Felton almost followed Frank off the court pointing at him. And just because weird. Frank he loved him. destroyed him. He loved him. But you don't see that. I mean, that's something they try to cut down on, you know, uh, in the NBA. And no fights broke out or anything. But it was clear that crew lost control of the game. They weren't having a good night either. And that's going to happen. I mean, like I said, we're we're not blaming that loss on the refs, but it just wasn't ugly. I mean, but listen, it was people pretty. love to talk about the referees. Well, it is a favorite subject amongst commenting sections everywhere. It wasn't a good night. It, it was. It just yeah. It, it was it, again, it added to I, but the I don't think misery. I, I'll Devin say this Harris, again. Devin Harris. That's what it was. D. Harris. He fouled Kemba. He felt Kemba, uh, you know, kicked his leg out, which he actually didn't. But uh, then he f- he freaked out on the ref, and but didn't get a technical. So I don't know. I think they lost control earlier, then tried to get it back, and by then it was. And too that late. always that always rouses up. And that's why it's so. It, it's like it's funny. It's so important for 
teams to play well in the first quarter, but it's equally as important for referees to get control early because once you lose it, it's so tough to get it back. Just like the Hornets, when they lost that first quarter, it made getting back into that game so much tougher for them. And I think the same goes for the referees. You have to establish control of the game immediately or because precisely what we just said, the players and the coaches, what they respect is consistency. Mm-hmm. What they respect is, did you are you calling this as tightly in the first quarter as you called it in the fourth quarter? Are you calling it as tightly on this end as you are on the other end? And that didn't happen. And on top of that, they were making some Bush League refereeing errors. Anyway, yep. It, yep. I would not even make a segment of this if it wasn't so it wasn't blatant and i think you're right because the fans uh of the charlotte hornets in that arena are generally smart and they know basketball and they've certainly seen their fair share of bad refereeing over the years especially with the bobcats coming up because they didn't get any respect that's the last thing i'll say it's fire dude no respect i'm trying (laughs) daniel saying on twitter uh to our question do you think there were issues with the officiating last night daniel agrees with us definitely if rick Bennell writes an article about it that's pretty telling because i think rick goes out of his way not to talk about the officials yeah he's almost like a coach in that respect after the game uh, steve protecting that wallet protecting his check <laughs> he knew what the deal was like he was talked very strategically about the referees did really didn't know i i take that back he really didn't talk about it at all his strategy was not to talk about it at all because even if you insinuate, even if you have innuendo, they'll That's get you. That's a no-no. That's a no-no. They will find you. <laughs> they will find you, and then they will find you. That's enough. I'm tired of talking about the zebras. All right, moving on. Let's get into some of these previews because, again, I've really harped on this, David. I think that these two games coming up, Orlando visiting Charlotte on Wednesday and then Back-to-back here, Charlotte then travels to Miami. I think these are the two pivotal games. And honestly, losing to Dallas makes that even more the case. Oh, yeah. Because it's not only going to show me, can they, A, do something that they haven't done all year, which is win divisional games, win important divisional games in the case of the Miami game, but it's also going to show, can they come off a loss and rebound and play better in this new unit because we've seen them do it throughout the season they've we commented on it a lot that they didn't go uh, well they had one big losing streak right but especially early on in the season when they were healthy they were able to normally come off a loss with a victory right which i think that's why you have to hold your hold your horses a little bit on freaking out too much over this one game oh I'm holding them. Hold those horses. But you want to see what what they do in this one, especially it's at home. It's the last game of this little home stand. And like you said, I mean, well, first of all, they can't afford. They know the situation. They have the playoffs in mind as a goal. They're inching closer and closer. So I think they'll stay locked in. But like you said, they rebounded pretty well previously in the season, minus that one little stretch. So that gives me some hope and why I want to see what they do tomorrow night. And I feel good about them bouncing back because, you know, the veterans on this team, and I think I would lump Kemba into that veteran category now. He's had a little taste of the playoffs, but he's becoming that guy. And like we said, he's certainly the leader of this team. So He was really rowling up the crowd 
oh, yeah. at Time oh, Warner. Oh, yeah. In a way, I've seen it this season, but I, I don't remember it from past seasons. The way it's he March. just, he, he'll, he'll knock down a big layup and then get into the crowd and, and really just get them going. It's his time. It's March. Well, yeah, that's he the thing. It. He feels it. He's absorbing it. He's taking it in. And, and, and I think, you know, it all goes back to confidence, which is what you need to be a, to be a star level player. Um, the, the reason this is important, David, the reason I've been harping on this is because not only do they need to beat Miami to get the tiebreaker versus Miami, but they have to essentially, in my mind, they have to run the table on divisional games because they're because the next tiebreaker so they would tie Miami for the season 2-2 with a victory on Thursday night. Right. But then the next tiebreaker goes to it goes head to head which they'd be tied 2-2. Then it goes to divisional games. And the uh Miami Heat are 8 and 4 in the Southeast Division, the Hornets are 5 and 7. Mm. So that's tough. So a win against Orlando and against Miami would go a long way into rectifying that situation. And w- with how well the Hornets are playing, I don't think that it is a stretch to say that, w- and with questions surrounding the health of the Miami Heat, I don't think that you know the Hornets and the Heat being tied at the end of the year is a stretch. So they need. They, I, I think they need both of these. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the the Heat are starting to play better though. I mean, um, your boy Whiteside coming off the bench. Oh, we'll get we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to that. Let's start with Orlando though, because this one's coming up tomorrow night. Here's what you need to know about Orlando: they've lost four out of their last five, but take that with a grain of salt because the Dallas Mavericks came into Charlotte having lost five of their last five. Injury issues abound in Orlando. Vucevic, their center, starting center, and. Alfred Payton, who has been inserted into the Orlando starting lineup. Both of those cats out of the game tonight versus Denver, and they'll be on the back end of a back-to-back. So I believe Vucevic has been out for a while. Hmm. Payton, uh, this would be, uh, I believe, his second game that he would miss. So both of those guys questionable to to get back into this thing. And uh, I mentioned they'll be on the back end of a back-to-back for the season. Orlando is 8-6. and six in the first game of a back-to-back, but just 4-10 and ten in the second game, according to John Denton on NBA.com. They don't shoot the ball well from three, 36% on the year, 27% in their last five games. The Hornets average nearly double the number of three-pointer, three-point shots made on the year. In the last game, the season series stands at one apiece. The Hornets got the better of Orlando in overtime back on January 22nd. The Hornets were without Batum and Zeller, they needed 40 points from Kimball Walker and a 22-3 to run near the end of regulation to escape with that road dub. Mm. David, what's the stat to watch? Well, Orlando, like you said, doesn't shoot the ball well, but they do share the ball relatively well. They're 7th in the NBA in assists per game. So I think if the Hornets can keep that number down, um, limit their ball movement, and make it tough, which it might be easier if some of those guys that you mentioned are out, um, I think that's going to be big for the Hornets to to uh, win this game here Doug yeah especially Vucevic Vucevic always gives the Hornets bigs problems just because of his versatility his ability to move around to back you down you don't know whether he's going to back you down or try to work off ball and and get a shot and he's just one of those guys that his biggest attribute is just being available He's just available all the time. He's that friend you can call up anytime, and he's going to, you know, go to the movies. I don't know. Um, key matchup. 
Uh, for me, the Hornets have had trouble recently with guys getting on streaks. Now, some of those guys have been very good to great in your Anthony Davis uh, and your Carl Anthony Towns, and some of them have been former stars in your uh, Darren Williams and your Dirk Nowitzki. Um, Dirk Nowitzki? But they've also let some guys who are just streaky guys get going, and I think to me Oladipo fits that description more than he does necessarily a straight up star but if he gets going and you let him find his groove he can hurt you so i think they've got to you know keep him under wraps and not let him fire that team up with his athletical dunks i like that i like that matchup <laughs> i like that too. i i like that oh that's good all right um before we get to the charlotte at miami preview that was orlando i think you know i think orlando is just a, kind of a final word on them um they're a dangerous team because, you know, they're still looking for that that major star, and they, they hope that it's Mario Hazonia, who they're mm. bringing off the bench. He's starting to get a little more confident, but with that confidence comes really awful nights, and you know, you just never know. I mean, Aaron Gordon's playing really well for them right yeah, now. Yeah, are they hoping it's Aaron Gordon? I think they're hoping it's Mario. I think Aaron provides a lot of uh, great skill sets, but I don't think he's a number one guy. Did they make that trade because uh, of his dunk contest performance? Maybe. <laughs> I mean, there there it's are possible. worse there are worse reasons. Um, no, I, I don't. I, listen, don't ask me what Orlando's long term plans are, other than to make Chris uh, at the high rider Chris Barnwall oh, rip his hair out. Oh no. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I think Orlando's still dangerous because they're a young team. I know it's going to be on the back end of a back-to-back, and like I said, they don't play well in those situations. But you know, for the Hornets, I just think you have to you have to come prepared. And, and oh, I'll say this: Orlando, the past few games, though they have not played particularly well the entire game, they have gotten off to really good starts in the first quarter. So you know, if you're the Hornets, I think you have to target coming out in the first quarter and playing well as really a key to winning this matchup. Okay, we're bringing back this inside the locker room segment because we have some some great audio here from uh, Justin Thomas at ESPN seven thirty, and it all surrounds Troy Daniels, who ha- he is the subject of our Hive Talk Live question of the night, and uh, he is also uh, inserted back into the Hornets rotation, and it has nothing to do with injury. And he took he essentially took some of. Lamb's minutes. Lamb, Jeremy Lamb got the the DNP. Took coaches. them all last night. Yeah, but he only played fifteen. Yeah, uh, the, the, it was very starter heavy. So that's probably had True. Lamb played, he probably would have played fifteen as well. But yeah, he took Lamb's place. What do you think about that? It's something to keep an eye on. I think um, Clifford has mentioned that he wants to find Troy Daniels some minutes. So you got found him. He found them and he gave them to him. It was in Jerry Lamb's took, he took them from <laughs> He took them from Jerry Lamb and gave them to Troy Daniels. Again, I think he's just trying to figure out a little something for the playoffs, it feels like, you know, if he can use him. And you mentioned, too, I mean, Lamb has not been mistake-free. Um, Troy seems to get in there and not have any trouble heating up instantly. And he showed his defensive effort uh, last night as well on that steal. So... I think Clifford's been wanting to do it, and the time is running out because you're not going to do it in the playoffs, right? You're not going to insert this guy without seeing a little bit of him before you get to the playoffs. An audition of sorts. Yeah, yeah. 
can Troy Daniels get his ticket to Hollywood? Exactly. So we'll see how much it continues that way. I don't think Jeremy Lamb is not going to play. I mean, that's the guy they've signed to a, to a longer deal um, and committed some money to. So you would think they're certainly going to be looking his way to, to give them some playing time as well. What do you think, Doug? I think I have comments, but I want to save them for after the, oh this gosh. audio. I have save to have something. No, stuff, I have dude. to save something for after the audio. I can't just have the audio and then we just we just play the audio and then we move on. I have to say something after the audio. <laughs> All right. Our Let's man Justin Thomas from ESPN 730 caught up with Troy at practice today and discussed what's becoming a brand new role for him on this team. This is a, I'll say it, this is a Hive Talk Live exclusive. Mm-hmm. Exclusive, exclusive, exclusive. It seems like whenever you get in, you're always ready to play. Is that something you've always prided yourself on? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, coming into the league, my, my vet, uh, Francisco Garcia, and um, he used to always just tell me, like, always be ready. You never know when, you know, when that time is going to come. You might not get another opportunity. So he used to always tell me, like, always be ready, always be ready. And I tried to pride myself on that throughout my career. So. And uh, yesterday you got, you got 15 minutes. Did, um, did you and Coach talk about it before? Because there are times that people always say, you know, Troy's playing well. Is there, there are ways you can kind of find him spots in last night and find you the minutes? Um, did you guys talk about that prior? Um, prior, he told me, uh, shoot around, just be ready to play. You know, he might throw me out there. And, you know, as a, as a young guy, you don't know whenever you're going to play. You just got to be ready. But it, it, kinda, it was kind of like it was good for him to tell me that, you know, so I can get my mind right and go back and just think about what I need to do for the game. So it helped me out a lot. Um, I asked Marvin, I would say Friday, um, I feel like the, the team seems so excited. Like if somebody makes a jump shot, you know, the bench is always enthused. And he said this has been, you know, the most close-knit group of guys he's been with off the floor. Um, how much of that, would you say, has played a role in this team's success? Oh, it's huge. It's huge. You know, we, we, we care about each other on and off the court, and, and the show is on the court. You know, we, we like to share the ball with each other. Anybody has a great game, we're all happy for them. You know, it's never, you know, I need I need to have a good game too. And, you know, just like I, I, I got a lot of minutes yesterday and Jeremy Lamb didn't play and he was still cheering me on. You know, it's just that type of team that we have, the type of players and guys that we have. And it's, it's working for us great. Where would you say, how would you assess your season up to this point? Uh, I think I've been doing everything I was supposed to be doing, everything in the front office and the coaches that wanted me to do. Um, just being ready to play no matter what. Um, so I think it's, it's been going great for me considering the opportunities that I've been getting. The scream at the end made it. Who is that? Do we know? I don't know, but I, I do have it. I, I mean, you can I'm make a guess. guess. I'm going to guess. Yeah, yeah, hit me one more time. Just one, just one more time. <laughs> That's who it is. I knew I recognized that Dylan scream. from 90210. Dang it. Now, I think it's Frank. I think it's Frank, too. I was oh, going to say man, so yes. weird. High five. Of course, you got to hear that before, which is another reason you held your answer because you've already heard this. So now, are we done with the clip so you can give your answer, or you still have more? Oh yeah, <laughs> we know that's great. Um, okay, first of all, great hat tip to oh, yeah, yeah, Steve yeah. Clifford who gave Troy Daniels the heads up again. You know, I think sometimes we hear about coaching and it sounds simple. Like if you're going to play a young guy. You, you give them the heads up and say, hey, you're going to play tonight, so be ready. But I don't think that's a given. I think communication between coaches and players seems like a very simple thing. But as we've seen in Los Angeles with Byron Scott, I'm never afraid to bring up Byron Scott. <laughs> I don't think that that communication is always a given. So 
I don't want anyone to take that for granted because I, I think we've got to, again, I'm not afraid. I'm not bashful to say we've got a good one in, in Coach Steve Clifford. Yeah, I thought you were going to give a hat tip to Justin. He did a great job. Yeah, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. That, that goes without saying. But that was awesome. That was an awesome piece of exclusive Hive, Hive Talk, Talk Live. Live. Exclusive. That was good. Um, uh, also, a hat tip to Jeremy Lamb, who did not – you want to see a guy that you just gave an extension to. You don't want to see him – getting sour i think he's yeah, he's been through he, this uh, so many what yeah, he didn't look thrilled about it to he, me well, but, I think, but, but that's kind of okay his, hold on okay. hold on i you know i love jeremy lamb but i think he has sort of a resting not thrilled face look as one relaxed bro to another one i can recognize that so um you're saying that it was beyond the resting relaxed bro no, 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 no. i'm saying that was that was that was par for the course yeah I'm, I'm with you i'm just i'm just saying but there's a certain body language he didn't have his like arms folded did he he wasn't like this is he some, had his arms and some... legs crossed <laughs> his eyes <laughs> were crossed his look. eyes were crossed <laughs> for the nba bench this is weird he turned his back to the bench it was it was awkward now listen troy said he was listen we have I to know, go with that, what troy said and troy cool. said that jeremy lamb that's good to hear. And we don't know what happened in the lock. I mean, Unless you know. that was Jeremy Lamb that was yelling in the background. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. That's definitely Frank. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Um, I won't play it again. Somebody must have. I promise I won't play it again. Unsweet to play, Played it again. Uh, okay, here's my thoughts on Troy Daniels. He, you're right. He is a mistake-free for the most part, guy. He he's going to play uh, mistake-free defense, especially, I think. I mean, he's going to get burnt. Everybody gets burnt, especially guards. But, you know, generally he's not going to make really boneheaded maneuvers out there, which we've seen with, with Jeremy Lamb. It's mm-hmm. still an issue for him. I don't think anyone would argue that. Um, what I worry about, though, with Troy, and I saw this in his uh, second run in the Dallas game, because I thought he played, he had the great steal and knocked down a couple shots uh, his first time uh, into the game. And then his second time into the game, he had some ball handling issues. He can't really create much of anything off the dribble because his handle really isn't there. And, you know, that's what will keep him, I think, from being an explosive impact player in the lineup as opposed to Jeremy, who Jeremy Lamb is ready, set, go, can handle the ball, can get to the rim on his own. And if his shot's not there, he can still manage to... If his shot's not there and he's making good decisions with the ball, which are not givens for Lamb, but if he's doing those things, he has a much better chance of becoming an impact player on a certain night, whereas Troy is going to be fully dependent on on the looks that other guys can get him and when you're talking about a guy who's not used to playing with Kemba, who's not used to playing with uh, some of these other guys, the other distributors, Lynn uh, Batum, you know that that's going to be an issue. So we'll see. Maybe that develops, though. I mean, you got to give a guy time. You got to give a guy game experience for that kind of thing to develop. But that's my concern moving forward. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, it's just something we're going to keep an eye on. I think they're both going to play a part uh, at some point. You know, even in the playoffs, I think. But you got to remember, you know, Jeremy Lamb sat on the bench for a long time in Oklahoma City, and even though Troy Daniels has kind of been up and down, like we said, he's got that playoff experience, so um, he is maybe a little bit more comfortable. But like, I think that's the thing that. Um, well, I think Clifford is, is trying to get him minutes. 
see what that's like. But he, he also obviously is going to lean on guys that he can trust, which has been um, his MO time and time again. So um, I don't think it's a permanent thing as of right now, but we'll, uh, we'll monitor it, keep our eye on it. As we always do. Uh, let's go on to this. I mean, this is going to be a great game. I hope. I hope it's a competitive game. I'm nervous about that game, Doug. The first road game in several weeks. Charlotte traveling to Miami on Thursday night. And again, the back end of a back-to-back for Charlotte. Here's what you need to know about Miami, though. They hold the keys right now to the fourth seed and home court in the first round. They're a game and a half ahead of Charlotte. The Hornets, again, as I mentioned before, need a win plus some victories in nearly all of their remaining divisional games, plus a smidgen of help from Miami in order to hold that tiebreaker. Dwayne Wade is not rushing back from a thigh bruise. Oh, my God. You ever had a thigh bruise, David? That sounds awful. I'm sure I have. There's only a couple of places I would not want to have a bruise less or more than the thigh. That sounds awful. Anyway, it kept him out of Monday's contest against Denver. The Heat are also without Chris Bosh, who did rejoin the bench, but I think Miami wants to be 100% before they bring Christopher Bosh back into the lineup oh, yeah. from those uh, blood clot situation that he has. So they're certainly not rushing him back. I don't expect him to play Thursday. No. But, you know. You never know. But but it seems pretty early. Yeah. Last game, the Heat beat the Hornets in Charlotte, ninety eight ninety five. Look, the, the Heat and the Hornets. Other than the the game that the Hornets blew the Heat out in Charlotte, the Hornets and the Heat have had two really close games. Mm-hmm. Uh, ninety eight ninety five. The final score in that last game, Hassan Whiteside had a ten 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 triple double, ten points, ten rebounds, ten blocks. Bosh and Wade dropped twenty apiece in that game. So. You know, the, the Heat could be without Wade, could be without Bosch. That's going to help. That could help. David, what's your stat to watch? My stat for this one, Doug, you know, neither one of these teams fouls a lot uh, per game, but the Hornets shoot much better from the free throw line if you forget about last night, which they struggled, and Coach Clifford brought that up. So I think if the Hornets can get back to the line, make some money there, uh, it's going to help them in trying to beat this Heat team. And, um, you know that's something they they have been counting on. So if they can add that back in, it, you know it would be a good sign moving forward as well. Yeah, the Heat define themselves as a defensive team, so they're going to make it difficult for you to make shots. And you know they still Justice uh, or I'm being told it's Justice it's now. Justice. I may still keep saying Justice, but <laughs> who told you? I don't know. Justice wins. <laughs> I was okay. Fine. Justice Winslow. Five. He, the, he's, he, he's still shut up. He's still playing uh, well defensively and still trying to find his shot, but still playing well defensively. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, the threats on every shot attempt are going to be there when you play the Miami Heat. They're also maturing offensively, even without Wade and even without Bosch. Different guys are stepping up for this team. Amari Stoudemire and one name we haven't mentioned yet, newly acquired guard Joe Johnson, who... Oh, yeah. Over the, can I read these stats to you? <laughs> Um, because I'm I'm in love with uh, StatMuse.com right now, mm-hmm. and you can type questions into StatMuse, and it will pull statistic results for you very instantly, very instantly. Uh, so the question that I typed in: Joe Johnson last five games averages 
Here we go. 17.2 points per game. Wowza. 33 minutes per game. He played, I think he played 39 or 40 minutes in the last game. I mean, they are, they're, they're tacking the minutes on to old, old trusty Joe. Old, old Joe. <laughs> I don't know. Three, you're not going to help me out at all. All right, David. Three rebounds, three assists, <laughs> one steal a game. So, I mean, he is active in every sense of the word. 50, uh, 58% from beyond the arc, 53% overall, shooting free throws. I mean, he is uh, two, yeah, two free throws, so he's getting to the line a little bit. I a mean, little resurgence there. Yeah, I think he, you know, hey. Playing, playing on a team that is a, a legitimate, not even a legitimate playoff contender, but just a legitimate basketball yeah, team yeah. can go a long way in helping a man's confidence. That helps. So, yeah, you can't forget about Joe Johnson, and you can't, you know, you, you can't lean back on sort of the old story on Joe Johnson, which was he was in decline. I think he's, at least for the time being, he's, he's playing like a man possessed. What's your key matchup? My key matchup is your boy, um, Pride of Gaston. Hassan Whiteside. He just finds a way to brutalize the Hornets. It seems whenever they play, you mentioned that triple double. Well, he had last, the last time. game. Yeah, they went right at him. Yeah, that would be my key. Actually, don't uh, keep shooting the ball right at Hassan Whiteside if you can help it. No, you've got it. You have to. You have to drive. You and had to get kick. him on the move. Right. They forgot the kick part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kick it, kick it, dudes. You got, yeah. You got to get him on the move. You either have to try to pull him out, and that's going to require. And he's coming off the bench now, but he's getting a double double off the bench. He is. He is. I know. It's, it's going to be interesting because he, he's going to find uh, time to play against Al Jefferson and to play against Cody Zeller. I think. Man, that's such a weapon Here's, coming off the bench. And who would have thought he would respond that well coming off the bench too? I. You certainly did, wouldn't because uh, he's had maturity issues and i think it gives you hope for a guy like jeremy lamb that if you're in a good system i think miami has a good you know, oh, with pat yeah. riley and eric spolstra like yeah why would anyone ever want to leave because <laughs> you have to ask yourself listen, you can't go home again unless you're well, the best you, player in the nba yeah if you're going back to the land god hashtag the you, land <laughs> <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Oh, you know what? What's interesting about this game to me? If Wade is unable to play, and if Bosch is most likely unavailable to play, in the last game I felt like Miami was able to, and Spolster they were able to um, outcoach the Hornets. They were strategically able to get guys in and out. Hassan Whiteside being one of them in in opportune moments, but they were able to do that because they were generally healthy mm-hmm. they don't, they're not going to have i think that flexibility to to be able to either hide or take advantage of Hassan Whiteside like they can or like they could in that last game and i think the hornets are much healthier although here's another name can i pop another name out at you josh cool. richardson okay. the other rookie for miami second rounder is he's scoring 15 now and because in the last five games, this Miami team, a team known for defensive being you know defensive stalwarts mm-hmm. and not really being concerned about the number of points they put up every night, they're scoring 111 per game over the last five. I know it's crazy. They're playing well, and, it's be, and a lot of that has to do with uh, getting those ten points off the bench from uh, every night from uh, Hassan, Hassan Whiteside. Yeah, 
and then getting contributions from guys that were supposed to be done. Joe Johnson, Amari Stoudemire, and and then guys you would not expect at all, like Josh Richardson, who, you know, I think there are certain guys, David, that just look like they're supposed to be good at basketball. They just have the like the long arm. It's sort of a Kevin Durantish look to me. Like they just look like a spider. Right. They just have the length. And Josh Richardson had he looks like a little mini Durant. And and he's playing like it right now. He's a, he's been knocking down threes uh and and getting by guys with not only quickness but in that Batum like way of if I get half a step on you, my arm's going by you and I'm going to lay it up. Man, they have the three, concentration, the focus. Three Duke guys on that roster. My God. Oh, you know what's interesting? So Carolina ends, uh, is in the same bracket as Kentucky. Right. A lot of Carolina guys on the Hornets. A lot a of lot Kentucky of, guys on the uh, Hornets. That's true. Or just wait. That's true. How many? Uh, MKG, Aaron. Aaron Harrison from time to time. <laughs> and so you got Hansborough, you got Marvin, and you don't have PJ anymore. No. So you just that's have two, right? Two versus yeah. two. I think Indiana isn't Indiana in the same bracket. Indiana and, and Kentucky could face off in the second round. So there's Cody. You bring Cody into it. So now Cody's point. into this conversation. It's that's yeah. It's crazy. It's going to be a wild time. <laughs> Wait, you know the story? They, they always write the stories about like, oh, we we're really rooting for our team, and we hope that the other guy's team loses. It's a classic. Can you tell, I have, a, can you, can time, you tell I have a little disdain for college <laughs> basketball stories leaking into my NBA? We just broke it down for you. First. I swear to God, I used to love college basketball. Well, yeah. I mean, a lot of people did. What happened? It got horrible. I don't even think... Well, I think it's... Well, okay. I think it did It did get horrible, and then they tried to fix it, and that they knew it was going to make it more horrible in the short term and it certainly did i don't want my halves to have 25 points yeah i mean that's just a problem i want to see guys make shots every now and again do you think that part of the problem is just oversaturation that the just the march madness the brackets that at a certain point obviously like a, a ton of people still are going to lose their minds over Right. No, I mean, I think for me, the switch came when, if you, if you watch a lot of NBA basketball, it's very hard to go back and watch college mm-hmm. on a regular basis. To me, at least. To me, it was. And you have to take into account, I think, that the I think the rise in mass popularity of filling out brackets, bracket challenges, mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff, happened at a time when the NBA was struggling. Yeah, that's always like going to be pre- fun, though. I mean, people are always going to do it in their office and gamble and but do the no, pool. You're, no, I, no, I understand that. But I, I'm, I'm saying that, like, during the rise of the internet, which made a lot of this stuff a easier. lot easier. Accessible, right? Was during the same time that the NBA, you know, the pre, I say the pre, you know, 2003 draft NBA, pre LeBron Wade, right. Carmelo. That was a time where the NBA was really struggling to present a, you know, a reason for people to watch. Mm-hmm. Come watch Kenyon Martin and Jason Kidd <laughs> and Kerry Kittles and Kerry Kittles face off. There, there may be something NBA to that. Showtime. I don't know. It's just you watch it now. I mean, it, it's pretty brutal. It can be really bad. And that, and you know what's? I just thought of this. Bing. The 
the big story this year. What's the big story this Seniors. year? There's there's not a lot of star talent in the NCAA in the tournament. Well, no, because it's of- typically all freshmen. I mean, that's what we've seen for the last couple of years. This year, the senior-laden teams are the ones that are, are grabbing the headlines. I mean, Ben Simmons, hello, not even in the tournament. Not even in the NIT tournament, by the way. And some would say his team is not in the NIT tournament because Ben Simmons. How do you feel about that? Ooh. I've been talking a lot of just... Is that a conspiracy? Is that out there? I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it is. That's out there for sure. Well, whatever. I mean, I think there's enough tape on him. Do you really think, and we can break this down right now, the draft, Ingram, V. Simmons, who are you taking? Any, I've just basically showed my cards. Hold on, let me channel my, channel my Kenny Smith and Charles Barkley analysis of these two gentlemen. You know, listen, Ben Simmons, uh, you know, really likes to distribute the ball. He's he's a challenging player to deal with on the defensive end. Um, I don't know how he's going to do without a shot, um, but you know, he looks like a competitor, like a really solid competitor. And then Brandon Ingram, length for days. And, you know, he, he's also someone that needs to develop an outside shot, but I don't know. That's all I got. <laughs> like, that's my general, like, I'm not going to give you one statistic because I can't. You were very hard on the on the whole crew. They're, look, they are there for one reason, for good TV. Okay. <laughs> it wasn't good TV, though. No, but that wasn't their fault. <laughs> CBS's fault for blowing it out for two hours. I, again, I'm not asking, you're, you're pretending, David, that I'm asking for a lot. I'm asking for one statistic, a, a, a simple one. Give me you're minutes ju- played. You're just a stats nerd, Doug. I don't want. I don't want a souffle. I do not want filet mignon. I want a McPick two. Well, That's a stat. Turned, Give me a McPick two. You were tuned into the wrong show. Clearly, it was a two-hour long show that could take thirty minutes at the most, and therefore they're not going to pack it with stats. That part was fun to watch, though. At least that part was I'm going to, but you bet. Tune in Thursday, because I'm going to ask Justin Thomas, who is on record as saying, I'm not a numbers guy. <laughs> like, well, he, we'll if this. anyone's going to defend that CBS show, it will be Justin uh, Thomas. He won't defend it, though. And not maybe on that front, but I mean, no one's going to defend that show. It's horrible. It's predictably horrible. Oh, that sounds amazing. Let's talk about... Uh, what's going on in the NBA? Usually this segment includes Nick Denning. Nick could not be here, but it's a segment we like to call What's Happening Around the NBA. Here's my big... This is the biggest story in the NBA, David. Are you ready for this? Mm. It's not the Cavs continuing to embarrass themselves and LeBron walking off the court in the middle of a game (laughs) that he wasn't playing in, to be fair. Are you really worried about the Cavs, though? Honestly. I mean, I know you don't... I know you aren't, but I'm saying, like... For me, it's like, look. They're going to lose anyway. What do you mean? To, they're going to lose the, the championship anyway. Oh. Maybe. Like, if you're, going, if you're going to fall off a cliff, I don't think, you know, how stylistically you fall off that cliff is really going to make a difference. Yeah, but I don't, I'm not concerned with them making, like, I wouldn't be too overly concerned with them not making the finals at this point. Like, I don't really care what happens all, the same thing happened last year. Everybody was all up in arms. Anyway, that's not even say? the biggest story in the NBA. <laughs> it was. It's. It's the biggest story in the NBA involves Drake. Man, what a time to be alive. 
that was future, but Drake was on the sideline for Bulls <laughs> Raptors and decided to become part of the game, David, taunting Bulls inbounder Justin Holiday so viciously from the sideline. You'll never hear I don't think you'll hear vicious and Drake in the same sentence very often. That the Bulls picked up a five second violation because Drake was taunting the inbounder. First off, I would like to know what you th- think he said. I'm no lip reader. Um I must admit, I've only seen a still shot of this, so I can only imagine he said something to the effect of, miss it? <laughs> uh, here's a second question. I think you, you, you'll you enjoy this okay. one. If there was one celebrity that would cause you to get a five-second call like that, who would it be? Oh, man. One celebrity. One celeb really get it, trying to get in your crawl. So they would be heckling me. Yes. Not yeah. No no like wiles or anything. They're they're really just trying to get in your head. Like, hey buddy. I mean Kevin Hart seems like the obvious answer, <laughs> but he's the first one that popped in my head. <laughs> Kevin Hart. Uh, you know what mine would be? Hmm. Kenny and Charles talking about college basketball. <laughs> <laughs> Well, sometimes they do sit courtside. You know, you know my you, so this is if you listen to the show a lot, you know my hardline stance on hecklers at basketball games. Well, yeah, I was going to say this is no different than any other heckler, except you know this is going to surprise you. Hit me. I'm okay with this. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But I'm normally not. I'm normally very like I don't like anyone heckling a basketball player in 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 the way that. Drake did it, okay. but why? Why I'm okay with Drake doing it is because they're on the same celebrity level. Well, actually, Drake probably out. No, they're not. Well, Drake. <laughs> well, Drake outweighs Justin Holiday. But I'm saying, in terms of, in terms yeah. of being in the spotlight, the the reason that I think, you know, that I think. He's a professional fans, basketball player. Fans pay money to go there to watch, and, and, and all the fans, not just the heckler, but all the fans go there to pay and watch basketball happen. But I, I just think in that setting, the guy on the floor has as much cachet as perhaps Drake. I may. think it makes it different. Okay. Yeah, because they're on the same. They're both in the spotlight. They're on the same. Uh, that's that's probably. What I, did he say? What do you think he said? I don't. Maybe he he offered to miss it. Maybe he offered to like let him listen to the latest his latest album. What's it called? There's like a new Drake album coming out. Views or something, something. Uh, views from the six. Yeah, that's what he said. Maybe yeah, man, he, Drake, six man. He just dropped the ball and was like, "Let's do it." Drake was the do you Raptor six man, six god, even. So that's, that's your all biggest, the, that's By the, the way, biggest I just tapped out all of my Drake references that's, right there. That's the biggest story in the NBA I have right now. Zero. Drake reference. That's the biggest story. Well, Phil Jackson could coach home games next season for the New York Knicks. Oh, and the sure. Lakers could keep Byron Scott to wait on uh, Phil to opt out and pick a new coach. Oh Both God. of these rumors coming to you from the good folks at CBS Sports. Mm. Yeah, Phil Jackson. There's now talk of Phil Jackson coaching Knicks home games. That should go well. Because hey. they, could, they could keep Rambit. It's sort of like yeah, a yeah. dual quarterback situation I in don't college. see any problem with that. There's no any problem way that, that could go wrong. Hey, you know what else today is? It's uh, Steph Curry's birthday. Oh, happy or was birthday. That yesterday? Was that yesterday? What'd you get him? How old do you think he is? 
Well, he played all four years at Davidson. Don't think it. Don't overthink no. it or talk it out. Just tell do you think I'm he is. just I'm terrible at guessing things. Uh You're 72, great at 72, 72. 47. Uh, a billion. How old is he? Twin. Oh my gosh. Twarn- There's only nine choices. Twenty. <laughs> I don't know. I told you I'm not good at guessing things. Steph Curry just turned twenty eight. That's old. That's that older is, than that's me. older than I thought he was. Wait, no, no. He's just as old as me now. I'm twenty eight. That's, that's older than I thought he was, Doug. You know, you know what I'm you know you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know you know what I'm saying? I'm just saying. LeBron just turned thirty. Big Al's thirty. No. I mean, I think Steph's got a plenty Big of Al's miles. Big Al's not 30. How old is Big Al? I don't know. Is he 30? Exactly. Don't make me guess things. I'm blowing your I'm mind with this. i guessing. New segment, How Old Is This Guy? <laughs> How many minutes do we have left? Only a few. Okay, time for one last thing. And it's a one of growing into one of my absolute favorite segments. I have to give this paper to you. David, because uh, this is called Frank Kaminsky asking questions on Twitter. It's something that uh, Frank is known to do on Twitter. If you follow Frank Kaminsky on Twitter, he asks a lot of extremely important questions on, on topics that really hit at the heart of who we are as human beings. Um, So it's time for Frank Kaminsky asks questions on Twitter. Read us the first question. Are these all three actual tweets? Yes. I, yeah, that's right. This is the first time you're doing this segment. Yes, these are actual tweets. I should make that note. This first one is an actual tweet? That is an actual right. tweet from Frank go. Kaminsky. Here we go. Frank Kaminsky asking questions on Twitter. <clears throat> Wait, whose tits am I calling? Questions. That's, I really have no comment on that one. I have a comment on a couple of these. but In response to Jeff Goodman of ESPN saying neither Frank nor Sam okay, Decker that part I put in there. could dance. This is what Frank said. Yeah. What do you bring to the table, Mr. Goodman? Questions. Calling them out. What do you bring to the table, Jeff? Can you dance? Jeff? Have you danced in China, Jeff? Have yeah. you danced in any international country, Jeff, questions. Oh my gosh! How do you pronounce this? Dobby, Dobby. I don't, I don't read Harry Potter. Oh man, <laughs> Dobby. We'll go with Dobby. Is there a harder fictional death to swallow than Dobby dying in Deathly Hallows Part One? I'm still not over it. Questions. That's Frank Kaminsky asking questions on Twitter. Neither of us have re- have read Harry Potter, I guess. Neither of us have read Harry Potter. I did not get into it as a as a child. Um, Big Al's thirty one. <laughs> Just uh, good. Uh, yeah, harder fictional death. Do you have a fictional death that comes to mind? Uh, I think I do, and I think you know what it is. That's right. It was fictional in two senses. If if we have any dedicated nine hundred two one zero watchers out there, it was fictional in the sense that it actually spoiler alert didn't happen, mm-hmm. and fictional in the sense that he's a fictional character. Hey, shout out to at Hornets Gifts. Go follow them on Twitter right now. Great Hornets Gifts. Shout out to them for one providing delicious Hornets gifts, but for also making us a super cool sign, which you can see if you go to our Twitter at Hive Talk Live. No, it was not Hornets Gifts. 
Oh, don't. Let's, we don't have time for that conversation. We do not have time. I'm rolling the outro. Wow, we've been on track the whole time today. It's gone it's completely gone, off the rails. Playing. Just like that Dallas game. That'll do it for us, Hornets fans. Thanks to our uh, – we, we didn't have a guest, so I forgot to delete that from the rundown. Follow on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Hive Talk Live for live game updates and more. Go to atthehive.com for all the latest news and analysis. For David and producer Katie, I'm Doug saying stay bought in. Stay believing. All hail the teal and purple. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.